podcast a true and hearty welcome back we've been gone for two weeks took a brief two-week hiatus here i flew out to los angeles to be with my brother and his wife and their brand new beautiful baby girl for the holiday and our mom came out too so we did kind of a brother's book club reunion of sorts out there i'll admit uh with some embarrassment that i was going to bring my mic and we had plans to do a live episode of this live recording rather of this episode but I could not fit it into my carry-on luggage. I'm a classic, like, notorious overpacker and just couldn't make it work. And so, to my great shame, we did not pull that off. So instead, I'm here with another solo episode. Ryan, again, on uh, paternal duties, is uh, busy. He will return to the pod perhaps next week. He seemed intrigued by the Chaucer. But for this week, I'm covering Hafez, and it is a Persian collection of poems, uh, mostly love poetry, which, according to Wikipedia, is, quote, a pinnacle of Persian literature. These were written in the 1300s, primarily. And so that's what we'll be reviewing today on the Brothers book club podcast let's uh without further ado let's get right into it so i did come up with a a new structure this week with these solo pods i've been trying to experiment a little bit with the format of the podcast and try different things and different ideas about how to approach the books and review them the first thing though i do want to give a simple review of hafez because i did enjoy the collection um to a 2019 reader or or beyond probably it's odd to read because it's it's a person who if this were your uncle or college roommate, you might treat them in crisis. The poetry is really infused with talk of drink and celebration. Um, Hafez definitely seems like a partier and enjoys the revelry. Um, he's a big wine fan. And so it's an intriguing read because it really does come across as, you know, either that drunk uncle who just can't put the bottle down or that college freshman roommate who just can't stop partying on a Tuesday. Uh, it kind of has that energy, though, obviously a bit more, yeah, you know, a bit more romantic and a bit more honest, maybe. Um, so if you've never been drunk in love, as the expression goes, this is it. This is where you should start. Hafez is very much drunk, from what I can gather a lot of the time, and deeply, deeply in love. And so that's that's the quick review. Um, as for today's premise or the setup, what I decided to do, since this is mostly love poetry, romance poetry, I thought it would be fun to set Hafez up against some classic love cliches. I have pulled five, which Google reminded me of. I knew a couple love cliches off the top of my head, um, but culturally, I know there are just tons of them that we use in English and in the, in the United States anyway, and these are really tired expressions about what love is and what love should mean to people and how to express or experience love. So I'm going to put his collection of poems here up to the test to see where he stands against or in comparison to some of these love cliches. And again, I pulled five. Let's start with the first one. I decided to split a classic expression that you often hear at weddings for the first one into two parts. The first part is love is patient. The second part is love is blind. I believe those lines are usually read in that order. And if I'm being even more honest, I I don't even know where that comes from. I think it's a Bible quote, but I'm not certain. I, I looked up what the expression was, but didn't look up its origins. 
And so let's take those at, at one at a time and see how Hafez does comparatively. I think I don't think he views love as a patient thing. Uh, it's clear in the poems that he yearns and he yearns intensely and he's not going to wait. He doesn't want to deny himself passions. He doesn't want to deny himself the pleasures of, of the earthly realm. Uh, he does seem pretty spiritual um, and pretty religious. So I think, you know, that that's a different view. But as far as his time on earth goes, I think he's seizing it. Uh, on 19, he has this stanza. It says, quote, seize these few moments while we're still while we have still time for our promised meeting, since no one knows what life will bring, and life, my dear, is fleeting. Very much in line with uh, with someone who does not exactly want to be patient, probably. There are moments, though, when he does seem ready to endure some hardships. I think he is the kind of writer who acknowledges the tragedies of the world, and so it's not capital R romantic in, in that sense. Not thoroughly, anyway. There's definitely moments. Um, he has a quote on page 13 that says, quote, Do not despair of love, Hafez. He also, actually, I should pause here and introduce that. Stylistically, it's kind of an interesting move. At the end of almost every poem in this collection, he directly addresses himself. So I guess it's almost as if he writes each poem like there's a narrator who is not him speaking to him, you know, very out of body experience. Uh, you know, as to what you should make of that or how to interpret it. I don't know. I think it just frames the poems a little more personally, since it's almost like he's writing a journal entry to himself or something, but but not admitting that it's him, or it, it has a very personal touch. And so, yeah, he, anyway, he directly addresses himself at the end of every poem, I think. So let me pick back up with the quote on 13. It says, Do not despair of love, Hafez. It can't be true. The heartlessness she's shown to you will stay like this. I mean, that's the epitome of patience, I think. You know, if someone's been treating you heartlessly and you just wait it out. Um, so I think on this cliche, I'm going to render him overall not patient. Uh, but that quote at the end there, that second one, complicates it a little. He definitely wants to be around people he loves, whether they're friends or romantic interests or whomever. And so I just think, though, overall, there's too many lines in here, too many stanzas where he is just effusively rushing to whatever will bring him pleasure. So not the most patient guy. Don't think he would fully agree with love is patient. And let's tackle the second half, love is blind. Now, that's an expression I hadn't really thought a ton about until I pulled it to do this podcast. I guess I'm interpreting it just to mean that love requires you to ignore things or maybe reconcile things with the people you love that you normally wouldn't you know you'll forgive something for a loved one that you wouldn't forgive for a stranger or even maybe even a friend or kind of co-worker something like that and so it's not about i mean complete ignorance that seems a bit harsh but i think it's more just about being you know protective and understanding i think he is pretty accepting uh, in general I, I don't know if he would go so far as to blindness but he says on 22 May I remember always when I was a canopy unfurled that shaded you and you were like the new moon riding through the world. I mean, that's a it's a very protective image. Also, you know, pretty beautiful to let somebody else shine like that. I think that's even like some kind of expression. I feel like I've seen that on the Internet shine on or something from this year. Oh, gosh, is that a meme? Well, can't check it now. Not going to check it during the recording. Uh, so, you know, maybe that has some relevance. But I think in that sense... It wouldn't even be that you're ignoring the person, you know, you're, you're in their brightness, you're in their light, you're letting them shine, but it does seem kind of protective. Again, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say blindness. And again, I'd refer back to the patience aspect. I don't think he's going to be an ignorant person in love, 
and he knows the destructive powers of love, but I think it's just patience and commitment that he shows. And uh, this is from a quote on page 10. And even though the drunkenness of love has ruined me, my being's built upon those ruins for eternity. Now, I could see a reading of those lines that is, I mean, you're built upon ruins. Now, that's obviously destructive in nature and probably will not result in anything good. He does love being drunk, though. So I, I don't read the drunkenness of love expression for him in a super critical way, because that seems to be his wheelhouse. I think he loves it, uh, based on this collection. So overall, I don't think he's blind to the to problems of love, and I don't think he would be completely turning an eye to you know some kind of quarrel or some kind of disagreement uh, with a lover or a friend or something. I think he's more of the love is patient type, um, though, as I had already mentioned with that one, not fully patient either. So, so far out of the two love cliches, I'd have to say he's over two, probably. I don't think he would fully buy into either of those, though the patience one, you could definitely make an argument. Let's take a look at a third cliche. This one is one of my favorites. Never go to bed angry. It's something you hear really in common in wedding toasts and at other occasions of love, uh, celebrations of love. It's something that I think, I don't know if I've ever heard someone say this, at least sincerely, who hadn't been married for at least 10 to 20 years or something. I, the people I picture when I picture this expression are friends of mine's parents who have been together for a long time. This is a expression you hear a lot at, yeah, as I already said, kind of weddings. I do think he's on board with this, Hafez. I certainly think he would agree. And I, I do think that his addendum to it would be never go to bed angry, and then it helps if you never go to bed sober either. You know, make sure that your day was full of fun and revelry, and then, you know, you'll sleep better knowing you celebrated each other, and then, you know, maybe settle things before you go to bed. I don't know if for most people, you know, being a wine drunk is going to help with that or hurt with it. I think on his part or for his part, he's going to view it as an aid. Um, on 23, he says, With gentleness and kindness lies the surest way to win the wise, since birds that have become aware of ropes and traps are hard to snare. And while that quote isn't a direct quote about romantic love, it is certainly a strong claim about humanity and about human nature. The thing that people should be most aware of, what most aware of is being kind and because people know when you're a deceiver when you when you're a trickster or uh, maybe just a bad romantic partner so i think he would he would be a kind of an honest person and could communicate openly you know wouldn't want to be the person going to bed having hidden anything or having deceived someone or trying to hide feelings etc i think that that quote brings that home and i think he also is seems like a compassionate understanding person at times on 13 he says quote in words of gold, they've written on the emerald sky, only compassion does not die, but stays like this. And that's a nice poem. I think that's one of the final lines of that poem, maybe not the last. And that is a poem where every stanza has the repetition of the but stays like this, which is a, I like the contrast of that. Um, especially when you have the line, only compassion does not die, which sounds kind of harsh. Uh, but then, you know, but stays is a nice contrast there. Um, and then I think, yeah, the emerald sky image is, yeah, it's just a pretty one. You know, always invoking precious jewels. It's an easy romantic uh, kind of tie-in to put in. And I think, yeah, it's clear that his values in this text would be things like openness, kindness to friends and to loved ones, and compassion. So the never-go-to-bed-angry thing, 
I can't imagine he would not be on board with this. That's going to be the first cliche I'm going to say he is fully into. And again, you know, he's probably going to be a little tipsy at night from the wine consumption. But I think, you know, he would be a good person to communicate with. We've got two more love cliches left to assess and analyze here with Hafez, our romantic friend and partner, partner in poetry. Um, The next one up is probably one of the simplest, maybe the most common cliche of the ones I've said so far, and it is that opposites attract. It's common in rom-coms. I learned the term meet cute. I think it was last year I finally learned that term. I mean, I kind of inferred that in a lot of romantic comedies there's always weird circumstances of you know origin stories and for romantic partners and stuff i just didn't know that was an actual trope that people talked about and had named uh so it's kind of interesting anyway um this is yeah just such a common trope in our movies and books tv etc that you have these unlikely forces coming together to fall in love and so opposites attract very culturally common This one, difficult to assess uh, for him. I think it would all have to do with his own self-perception. It's pretty clear what he values in others or what he wants, which is timeless beauty and these, you know, great matches. So I, I don't think he would be looking for something he would consider, I don't know, like brutish or... Uh, I'm ugly, not even in terms of like physical attraction, but just, uh, you know, something ungentle or unkind, as the quotes I just talked about earlier would suggest. He says on 40, my abstinence is this, that when I wink and smile at beauty, it won't be from the pulpit in the mosque. I know my duty. No, I won't do it. Which, you know, good for you, man. It's good to have standards, uh, even though he does say up he'll sh- or he does say that he will show up to the mosque pretty intoxicated because he's not perfect and life is short, etc. But I think that quote just shows that he's going to he's going to pursue what he considers beautiful in that case probably physical beauty i would assume um but he does divide the lines like he does seem to acknowledge that he's a spiritual person who does have responsibilities to to islam and to his faith so i don't know it's hard to make heads or tails out of opposites attract for him i also pulled a quote i thought was relevant on 42 and it says quote We were a lily and a rose. Our talk was then so pure that what was hidden in your heart and what I said were one. Again, a a strong declaration of honesty and open communication, uh, keeping no secrets, knowing true intentions, knowing the heart of another. It's a pretty timeless symbol. And I think, I don't know, I mean, the lily and the rose image, to me, you know, he's, they're both flowers, right? They're, they're very alike in that way. They're both, you know, beautiful, delicate things that will not live forever. These are themes that come up in his other poems, too. This idea of temporary time on earth and then enjoying yourself, making sure to celebrate and enjoy, you know, what precious time you have before entering the afterlife. So I think... I mean, to me, I don't think he would agree with this cliche, but the evidence here is limited. And you're definitely, you know, if you want Hafez to weigh in on opposites attract, you're going to have to do some reaching, I think, um, from this collection. Obviously, he's probably got lots of other poems we can analyze. And I think overall, though, for me, I don't think he believes this. This is another failed cliche when you put Hafez to the test. All right, let's conclude with probably, well, I'm going to think opposites attract is the most common cliche or the most um sort of overused cliche of the ones so far though the next one is a very close second and that is all is fair in love and war though this admittedly feels like a 1990s movie tagline or something it feels like a sort of out of date expression you'd see on maybe some like college themed or um 
set a, a movie set in college or something like some kind of like sorority fraternity battle or I don't know something like that something a little bit corny a little hokey uh, I can honestly not say he he does talk a lot about the inevitability of things being mortal um, he's especially concerned with human mortality and human life and these are themes that come up often it's hard to say if that makes him a more aggressive person when pursuing love and when trying to find it and keep it, or if it put, makes him a bit more passive, sort of like a just go with the flow. I really think there are options for both in the collection. So this is another cliche that I think he sort of comes down maybe in the middle on. Um, let me give you some quotes to provide some context for this. This was, I thought, a nice rhyme. His, not a lot of his poetry relies on rhyme, which th- I'm very thankful for. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that the poems we've done, like the Keats that have heavy rhyming, are just not for me. Um, but this, I thought, was a nice rhyme. He says on 36, quote, Don't rise on feathered wings. Don't soar into the skies. An arrow falls to earth, however far it flies. Which is emblematic of an attitude and a belief that he keeps throughout the entire collection, which is just... You don't want to let yourself become too high, too low. You kind of want to just allow yourself to be taken in by the world's currents. I guess you could think of it like that as a mental image. You want to go with the flow would be another common expression we hear nowadays. That seems to be his attitude, which I think, at least for me, would push him into the not all's fair category. Like maybe or maybe it would. I'm very conflicted on this one. I thought this was the toughest one to research or the toughest one to try and prove. Um... I think in in a sense, he would want whatever romantic connection he had or or love connection he had with friends or anyone to be to be open and honest. So I, I can't see that quote buying into the all's fair because I don't think he would want any, you know, underhandedness or anything crude or I don't know, destructive in a way. So there's another quote here from 41 that I pulled, which I think shows that he does maybe accept that the world is ugly. He's definitely not a you know pure optimist, though overwhelmingly the tone kind of pushes in that direction. Um, and so he knows there's ugliness out there. On 41 again, he says, quote, What does life give me in the end but sorrow? What do love's good and evil send but sorrow? I've only seen one true companion— pain, and I have known no faithful friend but sorrow. Certainly some of the more redundant lines, and um, he does want you to know about the sorrow, no question about that, and I think the kind of finality of that line, that may also have been the conclusion of that poem, I don't remember now that I reread it, I just think that, again, is maybe the, the most aggressive hint at accepting that things in life can get ugly, that people can misbehave and can do some damaging things to other people. And so I think maybe he's going to accept the position of, okay, yeah, all is fair. If you need to do something underhanded, you know, when you, when you're in love, then, you know, whatever makes it work, whatever makes it stay is acceptable. Still though, this one I think is a total toss up for me. Um, he definitely does not explicitly have anything about treating your loved ones poorly, um, and so maybe the all's fair thing is a bit harsh, is a bit aggressive, uh, and he seems almost never concerned about warfare or politics, so that half of the, me- um, not of the metaphor, of the cliche, we can essentially just cut out. He has no interest in war. Hafez is a guy hanging out on the stoop, drinking a bag of wine, and just writing his poetry, very content. So if we tally these up, I presented five love cliches, and I think, in my mind anyway, the only one I'm certain he would agree with is never go to bed angry. 
he's a great communicator, and he, he seems to think that kindness, openness, compassion are the only way to happiness, the only true traits that will last, that will endure. Love is patient. I think that's another... I'm not 100% on it, but he seems pretty much in agreement. And the others, I don't really see a lot of textual evidence. I'd be happy to be proven wrong if any of you happen to get motivated and go find some Hafez out there. Uh, Persian poetry, always in vogue. And so, yeah, let me know if you find anything that refutes those cliches or supports them. I thought this was a fun way to analyze the poetry and to think about it. Let's still end with a review, though, even though we've been changing up the format. I do still want to give a recommendation at the end on our three-point scale. Three means definitely read this no matter who you are. Two is qualified recommendation. And a one is definitely avoid this. Havez is a solid two. I, I just don't think love and romance poetry is for everyone. And also, I think some of the repetitiveness in the style here will grate on a few people. The poems are brief, you know, that stylistically, they are I'd say they're simple. They rely on simple rhyme and simple repetition. And I know some people like their love poetry to be a little bit more intricate or maybe like free verse and not have so much of the traditional structures. I think this, though, was still a very enjoyable read. Lots of interesting imagery, which again, for me in poetry, that's essentially what I'm looking for. Uh, consistency and some intriguing images put together. He definitely has that. Lots of lines to think on and ponder. And hey, I mean, you can put them up against all kinds of love cliches, which for romance poetry might be the best, most fun test of all. So that's my review. I think I'm going to stick with the two. Seems like the perfect rating for how much I enjoyed this. Overall, pretty pleasant read. Did not, did not like look forward or rather did not dread having to read it. Um, Really enjoyed it and read through it pretty quickly. I would be remiss if I did not conclude with one final quote, though. Ryan and I, if you've listened to the episodes in the past, have frequently gone back to the well on trying to pull things for Pinterest message boards. This is a community that we are not a part of, but we admire from afar. We're keeping an eye out for Pinterest people and folks out there trying to be creative and to decorate with intent and with purpose and with clear vision. Uh, This quote, I just could not let slip by. It's on 31. It might be the most Pinterest thing I've ever found? I, I'm not sure. I, Ryan and I talked about it when I was in Los Angeles for Thanksgiving break, and I think he kind of agreed. This might be the most Pinterest of the Pinterest things that we found, so if you want to slap this on a recovered wooden plank, paint it on there, and you know, hang it up in your living room, go for it. Feel free to use this. Hafez will not bother. That, I'm sure that would make him actually overjoyed. On 31, quote, Of all this weighty world, a full wine's glass weight is quite enough for me. Let's end it there. It's been a joy reading through some Hafez with you. Hopefully you go and pick up a copy or you go check him out. And until next time, which will be Chaucer, by the way, that should be a pretty entertaining one, we will see you between the classics. Classics.